0: Welcome to the Elite Life with Trisha and Kylie. This is where we'll teach you how to develop grit, give yourself grace, and succeed in real estate. We'll help you find that unicorn known as work-life balance and keep you laughing and learning every episode. So let's dive in.
1: Welcome friends. Today we have a super duper special episode because our friend Greg has stopped by and he is with Cross Country Mortgage. And here's he's here today. Oh, he is here today. (laughs) He is. I don't
2: know what just happened, but he's here today to talk all things mortgage. Yes. This will be a great one for if you're in the real estate business or you're thinking about selling, you're thinking about buying. Uh, anything so this will be a good one for all the people yay
1: we love all the people mm-hmm thanks mm-hmm. for thanks for coming today
3: thanks for having me I, I'm excited this is my first podcast so.
2: ah! oh. welcome welcome um so why don't we just start by like just talking about you like hopes dreams goals what got you into mortgages what you like to do
3: yeah well, so Greg. I mean I've, I've I didn't i set out to join the mortgage world it kind of found me Uh. I had a, a great opportunity about six years ago. One of my best friends uh, who I work for now, he had opportunity, needed help, um, needed someone to come in and learn the world of mortgages and, and what that might look like. And you can kind of find a lot of similarities. It's, it's you know, uh, helping people atri- achieve their dream. Mm-hmm. Um, prior to that, I was, I was doing, I did sports training. So I trained athletes from elementary school all the way up to professional level athletes kind of the same thing achieving a dream uh, of making a team or making a a league Mm -hmm. Uh, so that was kind of the the commonality that i found between my prior profession um that i went to college for that i thought i was gonna do for the rest of my life and um you know suddenly life pulls you in a different direction and you, you have to kind of find how you're gonna keep yourself happy doing that but um I think talking to people and getting to help them achieve a, a dream that some people don't think that they'll ever get, you know, so buying a house for some people is like, OK, I'm buying a house. And for some people, it's it's a lifelong fulfillment, something that maybe their parents never did. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it's pretty cool. Um, you know, that's where the the happiness that it brings people, you know, that's I, I find happiness in that.
2: That's awesome. Um, I know personally, I've had a lot of clients that uh, you pre-approved that were in that boat where they didn't think they would be able to qualify. And I'm like, just talk to Greg. Like, he's amazing. He'll get it done. And you you always do. Mm-hmm. And even if, I love that, even if they're not ready today, if you're like, well, Trish, they're not ready now, but they can do X, Y, Z, and you can put them on the path to being ready. You can show them those things with your uh credit score analyzer, yeah. you want to kind of talk about that, like if yeah. they're not ready, what you do. I mean, and,
3: and this is where it's like the system kind of failed us from the standpoint in high school, you never learn. This is what your credit score is or, hey, here's what you need to do in terms of budgeting or, or things like that. So I, I definitely find that through like just daily activity, um, I'm intrigued. You know, I, when I started learning how to do mortgages and 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 how to qualify the guidelines and all that, like I may need to know it all kind of guy. So more is better. I don't want to find out through doing. I want to know prior. Um, obviously, in this industry, you, you can't sometimes. Right. Uh, but like the credit thing is, I mean, probably two years in, I went and talked with uh, a high school and sat through six hours of all of the students, talked to probably 500 kids that day about what credit was. Cause no one ever did that. No one ever said, this is how your credit works. Here's how you play the game. So understanding it is um, something that a lot of people don't have. They have, you know, credit karma. They have an app that they open and they look at something, but they still don't have any idea of why they have that score. Mm-hmm. Um, and some people do. And the people who do typically have good credit because they are playing the game the right way. Um, we have credit simulators and whatnot. So I can literally pull someone's credit Play around with it, manipulate it as needed, and tell them here's the steps that you need to get from here to here. Um, I think when I bought my first house, which was prior to being a mortgage lender, my credit was in the mid six hundreds. The student loans started coming, and maybe I paid them, maybe I paid them late. You didn't know when they were starting; they don't really tell you. It just kind of starts, and you're supposed to know from the eighteen months prior, hey, you have a bill coming. Um, And I found that most people are in that situation. Most people have like a delinquent student loan bill or a Kohl's late or something that they just weren't aware of. Um, and they don't, they don't know how it affects them and it doesn't affect them until they go to buy a house or a car or something like that. So getting the opportunity to find, find out what that looks like and help navigate that is is definitely rewarding. Um, you know, I always tell people I'm going to meet you where you're at. So, if you're not ready right now, if this is something that you want to get done eventually, maybe you just signed a lease. Um, it, it's it's always best to start it when you're thinking about it because maybe you do have something on credit that you're not aware of. Maybe you do need to make s- uh, some budgetary changes where you can start saving more money uh, or, or determining where that money is going to come from. So... Sometimes people say, I want to buy in a year and they're ready right now. And I tell them, we can do this right now. You have the moving pieces that you need. You have enough savings. Um, you don't need 20% down. So there's a lot of misconceptions that people have been told or read online or, or, or wherever they get their information from that's just not accurate. And hey, we can do this. And then they're ready. You know, they they do want to buy a house sooner rather than later. They just told me a year because they didn't think they could do it. Mm-hmm. Um, so again, it's it's. It's always starting that path. And again, going back to like the fitness, it's it's getting someone in the gym so that they can start working. Uh, You're not you don't necessarily need to be competing in the Olympics. Uh, You just need to start making movements towards that that end goal. Mm -hmm. Um, and, And a lot of people don't know what that goal is.
2: Yeah, yeah. And I like uh, a couple things I want to touch on that you talked about. Um, First and foremost, just making the phone call to get the steps in place. I was looking, I got um, the one I sent you yesterday off of Facebook. This girl I had started talking to, I was like scrolling back in my feed in 2014. Mm -hmm. So like in 2014, she originally messaged me like, hey, I want to get a house sometime. And here we are in 2022. And now she's She's like, okay, now I want to have the conversation. And there's still things that she needs to get handled, which if she would have had a conversation in 2014, you know, she would be ready today when she's ready to move. Um, And I find that a lot. People, they whether it's because they don't want to feel like um, they're taking up your time or, you know, oh, now I'm going to feel like I have to do it today. If I tell everybody on Facebook, like if you are thinking about moving at any point in time in the next five years, like let's let's have this conversation today. And for everybody that's listening or watching on YouTube or wherever, we are going to put Greg's information in the notes. Call him, email him, like reach out and just say, "Hey, what do I need to have in place?" Um, you talked a little bit about credit, and I think it's important for our listeners to understand that credit. Credit scores vary place to place like you mentioned Credit Karma and that's a super common uh, thing that people pull Credit Karma and Credit Karma will say you got a 750 and then a mortgage lender like yourself will pull it and it's a 550 because there are different things on there. Um, so it's very important to understand, even cars, like I went, when I was buying my house and you were doing my mortgage, I had just gotten a car the month prior, and my score was eight something, and then you pulled it, and it was still high sevens, but it wasn't the 815 that I had from the car dealership. Yeah. So that was shocking to me, even with a mortgage background and being in real estate, that car credit scores were different than mortgage credit scores. Yeah. And they can be dramatically different because you also have the three credit bureaus. Mm-hmm. So people need to understand that too, that, hey, just because you pulled Equifax doesn't mean that Experian and TransUnion are going to be the same. Um Today in mortgages, do you guys take the middle score? Do you average the three? How are they kind of doing it today?
3: So we pull the middle. And to your point, like there's over 60 different types. There's over 60 different versions of your FICO score. Crazy. So FICO is, is essentially just a company that's in existence. They are there to make the algorithm. So we have put all of our trust in their algorithm. The guidelines state that we have to pull this FICO score no one else uses it it's it's outdated but it's this it's the most stringent look at your credit so like someone that's pulling their credit karma that's not a FICO score that they call it the it's a vantage score so they've created their own algorithm FICO's not out there spilling the beans on what their algorithm looks like so basically everybody's taken all the information the credit bureaus are in existence to report from creditors so you have an American Express you make your payment American Express says hey this guy made his payment on time he owed 500 he made a payment of uh, you know and he owes 50 bucks he made it so they'll report the balance your payments on time all that that's their job there's three of them they did that because they used to in the olden days when it wasn't so easily readily available to spread information each credit bureau would kind of service a different part of the united states some still do some small credit unions still only push to one of the credit bureaus so you have different numbers on each of those credit bureaus because they all have their information different so they're just taking the information from the credit bureaus pushing it through that algorithm and giving you a score so you have a fico score that you get for a car well cars don't have most most uh Uh, dealerships don't have or financing don't have like this is our guideline on what FICO score we have to use they just say we're gonna use the FICO version 8 and that's good enough for us and we're only gonna use Experian Mm -hmm. so I tell people you could apply for a car a credit card and a house in the same day and you're likely gonna see three different numbers you could go apply for a car at different car dealerships and probably get a different score so it's it's just understanding what that number where our number comes in at. I'm the bearer of bad news a lot of days because someone has to tell me, I have a 750 credit score and I say you have a 650 credit score and it doesn't mean anything at all. All it means is where what are you trying to finance? What what are we looking at here? Um and again, it's it's understanding that the the algorithm is what it is, you know. I can't, I can't change that. Um I think I think a lot of times people are receptive to that once they understand. Mm-hmm. Um, I have the opposite happen. I, I mean, people tell me I have a 600 credit score and I pull it and boom, they have a 690 credit score. They have a 700 credit score or FICO. So Credit Karma puts a lot of weight on some different things. Um, a lot of times if you have no late payments uh, or if you just have some maybe high balances, Credit Karma will will give you a lower score. If you have a lot of inquiries but no late payments and your balances aren't good, Credit Karma waits a little bit on that. So. There's, some, there's a couple of instances where that happens. Most often, Credit Karma is going to show you a, a little bit higher score. I think they do that because they're in the, the business of selling advertisements and getting people to click to, to get a new credit card. And they're more apt to do that if they see a, a friendly score. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's, it's just, again, having that knowledge of, of what this looks like. Um, understanding, I, I always say how to play the game because having a, a good mix of credit using a credit card with a low balance. I mean, I tell people all the time, if you don't close a card, maybe pay a Netflix on it that that's set for an auto pay or something like that. So you can keep that around. And, um, you know, there's a lot of different good tactics in terms of helping someone, but sometimes it's not an immediate fix. Sometimes it does take some time. If you have, I always also use the analogy credits, like your reputation. So If you ask someone to borrow 50 bucks and you never pay them back or you pay them back two years later or late, you don't have the best reputation with them. So if you constantly ask and pay back and constantly ask and pay back, then your reputation's pretty good and people are more apt to lend you money. Um, And think of it like those people are telling other people, they're broadcasting your history, That's that's your credit report. So they're broadcasting your history so everybody else can see this guy pays back his debt. Uh, and you should give him money. And if you don't, then sometimes you have to establish a better reputation and then people are apt to, to give you money again.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And you know, credit's their first step, right? The the first step of the the process is talking to you, having that phone call, getting their credit pulled. Um, do you want to kind of walk people through what are all the steps from from that yeah. first phone call till the time they're getting keys to their house?
3: Yeah, typically we're we're having a a conversation, you know, a casual conversation about the the three things that we put the most weight on is your your income, your assets, and your credit. So we're talking about what does your income look like? What does it consist of? Is it consistent? Uh, With the last two years, you know, some people's income has been, you know, uh, knocking off track. So it's just more or less, has it been consistent? Um, Is there a likelihood for it to continue? Those are the things that we're qualifying for income. We're looking at your W-2s, your pay stubs, if you're self-employed tax returns. Uh, We're doing all that up front. We're making sure that there is consistency, that the underwriter is going to be okay with everything down the road. Um, we're we're looking at your assets. Um I had someone I had a a borrower send me a a picture of a stack of cash, uh about twelve thousand dollars in cash on a kitchen table. Uh I think it was on Friday. It was either Friday or Monday, you know, so that still happens. People scanning cash into the copier and sending that over as proof of funds. So there's very stringent anti-money laundering regulation for people that have watched Ozark. <laughs> like <laughs> there's uh, very stringent regulation now so that people that shouldn't be taking money and buying houses and then selling it aren't. Um, so we have to make sure that large deposits, things that people get annoyed with us on, it's it's simply because we have to follow government regulation to make sure that we're not doing things um, or or stopping people that shouldn't be doing things. not from the person that had two thousand dollars in a safe and want to use it for the house. You know, unfortunately, someone else ruined that for you. Yeah. so it's it's kind of just making sure that everything is following the the code of what we need to follow. And sometimes it it doesn't make sense. You know, it's one of those things there's a rule because someone else tried to do something that they shouldn't now we have to follow that rule and that's kind of it is what it is as much as i hate that saying Mm -hmm. um and then lastly the credit so we're having that conversation someone's filling out an application so we're pulling credit we're going to see what monthly liabilities you have um that's another misconception that sometimes people think like well i have uh sixty thousand dollars in student loan debt well maybe you only have a 60 dollar payment you know maybe you're in an income-based repayment so we're looking at your monthly liabilities, more or less, not your total allotted debt. So your debt to income ratio is what we're, we're qualifying you off of. And that's that's simply based on those monthly payments. So the student loans are, are kind of a big thing right now you know, with people having balances. So sometimes there's ways to get someone an, in, an income-based repayment so that they do qualify or using this program versus this program um, because those two programs require different payments to be assessed in that debt to income. Um, more, most times someone will do an application. I then like to, I, I personally like to sit down and do like a 20 or 30 minute in person or a Zoom meeting so that we can look visually at what those numbers look like, see the opportunities on paper. I'm not a numbers over the phone kind of guy. I just, I think it's tough to follow along and understand. Um, I talk to people all the time that talk to maybe a different lender first, and they have no idea like what this is going to cost which to me is scary. Like you're going to go look at houses and then figure out what the payment looks like. Um, that, that could be, it could, it could align (laughs) most often. I would say it probably won't, you know, you could be looking at a house that's a hundred thousand dollars more than what you're comfortable paying on. And now we're wasting time. You know, I, Mm -hmm. I don't ever think it's a waste of time, but it's just more mostly getting you, uh, started and looking in the right direction. So we do that zoom consultation. Um, if, if everything looks good, if we have all the documents, that's when we would issue the pre-approval letter. So that's when it's time to get back in touch with the the real estate agent, get your search set up. That's established based on the price point that you should be looking. Go to the fun. I, I always call it the fun stage where you get to go shopping. And the thing that people seek to do, they got to come talk to the money guy first. And it's not always much fun. Um, sometimes a little stressful, a little anxiety. But we try and get you through that. Um, that once, once we're shopping, I'm kind of sitting on the sidelines, helping run payments, figure out if everything looks good. Um, in this market, still want to make sure that I'm involved uh, and, and be there for, you know, if the offer is going in, what we want to be as competitive as we need. So that takes kind of a teamwork approach, uh, calling the listing agent, making sure that we're figuring out, do we have enough funds? Are we are we going to have to go over asking? Um, some of the things that we have to do, and again, that's just taking takes teamwork, you know, everybody being on the same page. Uh, once that all goes through, once we have an accepted offer, we get to do an, another loan application where they finalize for a specific property. We push everything through underwriting. They're going to make sure that everything checked out from that initial Greg step uh, of looking. And um, yeah, it's, it's, it typically takes about 30 days. You know, once you find a house and you're under contract it typically takes about 30 days. So planning accordingly, and you know, it could take you a month to find a house. It could take you a day. Uh, it could take longer. It just depends on where you're looking and what you're looking for. Uh, that's that's where again having the right real estate agent represents you, someone that's more than just a door opener, um, someone that can give you some guidance on. Hey, this I, I work a lot in this market, and this is what's available. Knowing the market stats, these are it's it's getting more and more involved. And in, um, I would say it, you know, I work with agents that have shown a client. 8, 10, 12 houses and they constantly keep getting beat out because the advice just isn't sufficient. And then I work with rock star agents that get it done.
2: Yeah. I love that you talked about the teamwork because – that's such a crucial piece. Um, when I'm on the listing agent side of things, did they CC their mortgage rep, their loan officer? And when I'm on the buyer's side of things, I always CC you and I always give you a call and I'm like, all right, you know, we have fifty offers in. Greg, can you close it in twenty days? And I think that my favorite part about you is You'll say no if the answer is no. And when we're talking about loan officers to choose, don't choose a yes man, right? Because that will cost you time. And money. And I've went to you before and been like, Greg, I really, really, really need to like put 20 days on this. And you're like, it's MISHDA, FHA. The debt to income ratio is like so tight. Like it's going to take more than those that many days. And I have to love and appreciate that because it could cost my client, you know, their earnest money deposit, their inspection money, their appraisal and an extension fee. If you told me yes because you just want me to send you business, and the answer is really no, right? Or um, if I go and do it anyways, and then my client's super screwed because they lost all that money because the seller and the listing agent want to be, you know, hard about things yeah. and and don't want to give you the extension, right? So it's really really important to have a loan officer like you that is willing to say no, like it's going to take this many days or no, those taxes are too high. The debt to income ratio is not going to work. Mm -hmm. Um, That teamwork is everything. It's important um, for your follow-up. Like I love, love, love that it could be Sunday. This scenario has happened. It's Sunday and you're on a cruise in the middle of the ocean. And I'm like, I need to know right this second if they can afford this (laughs) because the taxes are super high and blah, blah, blah. And you're like, yep, let me get right on it. And you're in there and you're handling it. Um, So from an agent's perspective, find loan officers like Greg that are going to give you honest, good information that are going to do what they say every time they say they're going to do it. Um, I can't think of one time we've been doing business together for like, 10 years this year, I believe. Um, And not one time where you said, I'll get it done on this date. And it wasn't done on that day. I don't think I've ever had to ask for a mortgage extension because you didn't get it done on time. You always hit those deadlines. And that's super crucial. I
3: appreciate (laughs) that. And I I always say this is like in this business, people that are nine to five, like unfortunately there's deals outside of that. And I, I respect that you guys are out showing houses. You're driving around town and and i get to sit in my in my office uh, most often and i can be available well, you know it's mm-hmm. sometimes open in a laptop and I, I work on a dream team like they we have there's five loan officers on our team we have 10 support staff so if i can't do it i don't have to say i can't do this let me find someone who can i can say let me get on it and i can get someone on my team who might be readily available to jump on it and always willing to help. There's always, we have on call people on the weekends and stuff like that. So I, I can still live life. Mm -hmm. Um, and I'm not bogged down sitting in the, in the always sitting down, but with technology where it's at picking up the phone, I just had a, (laughs) I had an agent tell me that they lost out on an offer because they reached out to their loan officer to call the listing agent. And it was a Sunday. And he said, no. no, he said, I'm not calling it's Sunday. I'm with my family. And I get that like, but it's 30 seconds, maybe a minute. It's a, it's not that you know we're, we're not you're not asking me to get out of walk go go put on nice clothes drive an hour you're saying can you call and say hey this person has been qualified like we we got their documents we actually did what we were supposed to do and we're not gonna lie about it so yeah. it's yeah. it's not uh it's not that much of a commitment in, in terms of that and honestly someone that's looking to get pre-approved on the weekend Um, you know, we're, we're certainly accommodating. If it's something that isn't urgent, they didn't find a house, they're looking to get the process started. We're probably just going to have a conversation and set up time to, to schedule during the week. But a lot of times people do it backwards. They'll go find that house. They found it at three o'clock on a Sunday. Offers are due by six. They need to rush through. We'll do what we can. Absolutely. You know, that's, that's something that we understand we're, we're helping both you and the client get their offer accepted. And um, sometimes people don't know that they're looking for a house until they see the right one. And they're like, I want that one. <laughs> so I get that, you know, a lot of, a lot of times this isn't a a planned event. This is more like the house next to my sister just came on the market and we were at my sister's and we didn't even know that we were looking for a house, but we want to buy that house. Mm-hmm. So getting, you know, sp- speed to that, that interaction is, is certainly important making sure that we can help someone. Um, achieve that dream because maybe they wouldn't buy a house if they couldn't buy the house next to their sister. And if that one sells, then they're not looking again. And now there's no need.
1: Yeah.
0: You're listening to the Elite Life. Elite Life. We'll be right back after this message.
4: Do you know more than 80% of real estate agents fail and quit in their first year of business? MyStarsAcademy.com has set out to solve this problem by providing a convenient, expert-based training and coaching program for both agents and brokers. The Agent Accelerator program teaches agents everything they need to know to level up their business, have a constant flow of free leads, convert those leads into clients, and take those clients to the closing table and keep them coming back for more as repeat business. Our industry experts have years of proven success in the business and are here to share that gold through one-on-one coaching. This will help you achieve more structure and work-life balance. We will map you a plan you can follow, which will guide you through the steps to scale and grow in both your business and personal life. Don't be a statistic. Visit mystarsacademy.com and enroll today so you can get the success you deserve.
0: Welcome back to the Elite Life. Business and life talks to help you get a little better every day. Here are your hosts, Kylie and Trish.
2: All right. So you've given us a lot of information, Greg, to have the listeners take away. Um, Just some real quick, what. What is the most common mistake or pitfall that you see happen to buyers? What should they be like? If if you don't do anything else, don't do this or do do this.
3: <laughs> I mean, something that I guess not commonly, fortunately, happens is um, someone taking a job that's better. You know, they they have an opportunity. It's a better job. It's better paying, but it's commission based or it's not. W two anymore. It's ten ninety nine, so they're they're technically considered self employed now. So that consistency we talked about earlier just went right out the window. We can't we can't say that it's consistent anymore because we don't have any track record. So that that happens. Um, like right now, probably within the last I don't know five weeks, a lot of nurses are taking traveling nursing positions that have short term contracts. They're out of state. Well, that puts us in a different scenario than we were, we were at, you know, so sometimes there's solutions like getting a cosigner or maybe we can still save it. But while it, in theory, yeah, you just doubled your pay. You went from 20 or $30 an hour to 50 or $60 an hour. That's great. But again, you're on an eight or 13 week contract and now we don't have that consistency we needed. So in your head, you're thinking, wow, this is, this can only help me. But unfortunately it, it puts us in a position where maybe you now don't qualify. So that's that's certainly something that we we come across um, the the money thing. You know, it's it's not always the case, but you know, someone sending me twelve thousand dollars on a, a kitchen table, like they certainly thought I can just go put this in the bank. I've been saving it; it's my money. Um, I can use that. Well, if someone didn't ask the question, "Where's the money at?" or "Did can we can we see proof of that?" We would have been in a a, a position if they had sent out went and got their ex- offer accepted and they needed to use that money. So. Those are, those are probably two things that I would say we need to watch out for. Um, in terms of like the market currently, it's, it's just figuring out what opportunities exist. There's a lot of different loan programs um, that might work, um, but also making sure that we're staying competitive, you know, making sure that, th- that, again, going back to the teamwork thing, having that conversation, how can we write the most competitive offer? Um, and, and sometimes that does mean, unfortunately, right now, writing an offer that's over asking value. Um, maybe with, a, a, an appraisal guarantee, making sure that they have that money, that, that going over that with them, making sure that they understand those moving pieces and what that's going to look like as a final cash to close thing. Um, but again, it's just, it's, it's communication. Um, I tell people we go over a do's and don'ts during that zoom consult where I'm telling them we're taking a snapshot of you right now. If that snapshot changes, if you change your employment, even if you take a, a better job within the same company that could change that snapshot. If you move money around, that could change that snapshot. If you go buy a boat that could change the liabilities that you have. So it's just being kind of more in tune with what you're doing in those three areas um, during your home search so that nothing changes. We had a, we had a guy two or three years ago, luckily he was doing a refinance. He leased a Bentley. Hmm. So, his, his, the payment on a Bentley lease is like $2,300 a month, which is more than most mortgage payments. Um, and he was like, I, I have all of the money. And I was like, well, yeah, that, that changes things pretty significantly. So, again, it's you know we're not saying you can and can't do, but we're saying it could disqualify you and now you can't buy a house. So, uh, yeah, I, I, would, I would say making sure that you're communicating. Um, you know, having those conversations, I love my clients that call me every single time that something changes. Cause I'm like, yep, that's fine. Don't worry about it. Thanks for calling. Cause I, I, I want that, you know, I'd rather have that conversation and be like, Nope, that you're, you're okay. That's, that's fine to do rather than, well, I didn't know that that was going to cause an issue and maybe make assumptions. Um, sometimes assumptions is not good. So.
2: Yeah. I know two of the things I can think of off the top of my head that happened with clients on more than one occasion would be co-signing for something. They're like, oh, I'm just a co-signer though. It's my sister's car. And I'm like, well, now that's in your debt to income ratio, right? And then another one, um, I think we had it on the same deal, was a second job. They quit their second job and they were like, oh, well, it was just a second job. It wasn't a big deal. And it's like, yeah, no, that's how Greg qualified you was with that right. income from the second job. You can't quit the second job. And we now you can't we'll get typically a
3: if we're qualifying someone with overtime or bonus or something that does fluctuate, Hey, we're using this. Make sure you keep it up. Make sure that that overtime, if that overtime starts to dip. Or if your employer says, Hey, no more overtime, we're going to be in trouble. Like we need that income to qualify if we're super tight um, with the, the COVID times, making sure that, Oh, I, you know, how many times I've talked to someone and they're like, I've worked here for five years, but they left for a year and a half because they got laid off and then they just got rehired. Well, that's important detail. So if we weren't doing a, hey, let's get all your W-2s and make sure that the numbers look to make sense, or hey, let's do a verification of employment and make sure that the numbers make sense. We're going to find that out when we have an offer accepted, they've had their inspection, maybe we're through an appraisal and it could pose an issue. So were you laid off like a lot of the chip shortage, you know, some of the, the auto assembly people have got had shortened hours. You know, they, there was days where they didn't work 40 hours or there was weeks that they didn't work 40 hours. And you know, it, we have to, again, it, go, it all goes back to us establishing that it's consistent. So if it hasn't been consistent, I'd rather someone be upfront and honest so that we can do the digging um, now and get all of that ironed out and show, Them, hey, you know, we're we're gonna do this all up front, and sometimes it's hard because there there is the yes man lenders out there that will say yes and hope. You know, it's like throwing enough at the wall. There's gonna be some that stick and some that won't, and that's fine. In their minds, that's okay, and to me, that's not okay. I don't ever, um, I don't ever want to say no. You know, it's it's that gut wrenching feeling. Like I I don't ever want to make that call and have to tell someone, hey, you know, I told you you could buy a house, but you can't. And fortunately enough, I've never had to do that on something that's based on my merit you know there's a couple of situations where people did quit jobs or lose jobs or or something and it stinks but you know it's we we do as much as we can up front to make sure that we're not going to have to have that conversation down the line.
2: Yeah, I'm always shocked um, when I'm on the listing side and all of a sudden they're like, oh, my buyer's DTI doesn't work out. I'm like, that's literally the first thing you're supposed to check. Like, what do you mean? Like, that's number one. Um, And that being said, we have lots of agents that listen to our podcast as well. So what... um, is something maybe advice you could give the agents, or a common mistake or pitfall that agents make that maybe make your job harder, um, or just something, some sort of advice you could give yeah. them to make to make it easier for them, right?
3: Yeah, I'm always astounded. I, I have people all the time that come to me with an accepted offer, and have never talked to a lender. Like, there's listing agents out there that will accept a purchase agreement with no pre-approval, like, and I'm like, wait, what? Or, or I sent a pre-approval for two hundred thousand, and they have a, an accepted offer for two ninety and they just made the assumption. And like, how how did this happen? Part part of me is like, how did this happen? But then you guys know enough agents, or have worked with enough agents, that you're like, okay, it makes sense. Um, so in terms of that, like, I would rather be involved. Like, it's super. It's sometimes, like, like you think, oh, he doesn't, he doesn't need to be involved, or I got this, but like this is a teamwork kind of thing. Let's make sure that we're not gonna have any problems. I'm very much so like, hey, this person's pre-approved for 200, but if you're gonna write an offer over 150, let's run the numbers and make sure. Um, sometimes newer agents or someone that hasn't done a ton of deals, there's a big difference between a condo and a house. you know. So having the condo conversation, we, we ask clients all the time, are you buying a condo or a house? Or are you looking at both? Most people tell us only houses not, not interested in a condo. And then they go back to their agent and they say, we want to look at that condo, you know, and the, the condo association dues push their debt to income ratio over what they can buy. Um, or the condo association's not approved, or there's little, lots of, lots of condo land. That could be a whole nother podcast. Um, mm-hmm. but it's, it's kind of like, a let's have that conversation. Hey, we're going to write an offer on this property um, I, I love that my agents that say hey we're gonna write an offer on this property can you have a conversation can can you run the numbers and let's make sure that everybody's on the same page before we go through all of this work um, to find out that it's just not going to work
2: mm-hmm. yeah absolutely I think that's so crucial too for agents to understand like you have to look at that pre-approval sheet if it says fha don't be sending your clients, you know, houses that aren't FHA approved. Don't allow them to, like you said, condos that aren't under on the FHA list. And I see that happen quite often where I'm like, why is your client, I, I'm looking at the pre-approval letter, it says FHA, you're you're bidding on a conventional house, like what are we doing here, you know? Yeah. Um, or agents not calling, like a client comes to them with a pre-approval letter and they don't call the loan officer and ask any questions. Yeah. So I think that's important for agents listening to understand like... The, the loan is on your side. This is your teammate, right? Like, he's the quarterback. You got to toss him the ball so he Correct. can do what he's got to do. Um, and you can only do that by having – like, you start that conversation before you go out and look at houses. Like, there's been lots of times where I've asked you, you know, I see that this is FHA. Could they go conventional if they need to? Do they have any wiggle room on the price if we're not finding something? Do they actually need seller concessions or did they just say that would be nice if they would pay some yeah. closing costs? Um, because sometimes some loan officers write up the pre-approval letter because this is what the client said they'd like to do. They could do different things, uh, but this is what they said they'd like to do. But it's not necessarily what they have to do, mm-hmm. right? So that's a very different thing. When I see a pre-approval letter and it says 3% seller concessions, so I'm like, do they have to have those? Or is that just something that would be nice if they got them, right? Yeah.
3: I, I, and to me, I, I don't look at myself as an order taker like, hey, this is what we do professionally, so we're gonna consult you on what it's going to take. And if someone doesn't want to do that, like sometimes it's like, okay, well, there's other people out there that might better serve you. Um, A lot of the mortgage companies around are are order takers. They they listen, this is what I want, this is what I want. Um, Like I said, I go through a full budget with clients all the time and we take a look at what they're spending monthly, what they might be able to afford. Um, and we have that let that let that guide them in the right direction. But also when it comes to writing the offer these days, like being competitive, having the realistic, transparent conversation with someone who's wanting to buy a house, um, if you can have that transparent conversation, you're you're not going to lose out on eight offers like some of the agents who are saying, OK, we'll write the offer for five thousand again and we'll see if it gets accepted or we'll write it at asking. Um, instead of saying that's not going to get accepted. You know, I, I've talked to the listing agent, they have six offers and that's not going to get it done. Um, and that's the person that's actually working for their client because they're willing to have that transparent conversation and get the offer accepted, which is the job. You know, it, it's, it's changing. You know, you just have to be in tune with what you need to do. Um, someone from your office, an agent was talking about having the conversation, how bad do you want this house? On a scale of one to five, if it's a three, yeah, give me, tell me what you want to do. If it's a five, I'm gonna tell you what we're doing because that's what's gonna get the offer accepted. Um, and and I, I respect that fully. Um, and some people might look at that as, well, you, yeah, cause you wanna make a sale. And that's just not the case. That's 100% not the case. And I, I truly believe that in this market, everybody, you know most agents are good hearted. They wanna do it from the standpoint they want you to get that offer accepted. And they're looking at the market statistics to show what that might look like. And they're also saying, hey, we're going over the appraised value on this and that's okay if you are a five out of five and want this house in, and you're, you're going to accrue that, that equity going to grow, you're, the house appreciation, you're going to get that money back, it's going to be okay. But this is what it looks like. Instead of maybe doing some things behind the scenes and saying sign here, um, that's a different story.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And so we, we've we talked a lot about real estate and our theme is always great grace in real estate. So that being said, let's let's do a little pivot to kind of your your personal life. So obviously, this market is crazy. We've talked about all of that. What do you do, or tips you have you can give our listeners on the days when it's it's feeling really tough, like you have to get gritty, you gotta you gotta dig in. What are kind of your tips for for days like that?
3: Yeah, I, I mean, I'm, I'm a super big creature of habit, so like I'm a a systems guy, and, and honestly, when it's getting tough, it's kind of just trying to see through the fog. Like I uh, I used to when I when I first got into this business, I used to spend a lot of time on things that I can't control. So worrying about it, being anxious on it, um, I, I've gotten a lot better and I try now to just allow other people to do their job and focus on the next task. You know, move on to my time blocking. I've gotten a lot better with, hey, here's my prospecting for the day. Um, I have my a workout that I need to get done and I know that I need to do that. Used to blow that off. Used to, oh, I didn't prospect today because I had to deal with these fires that I couldn't control. I was sitting there bugging people who didn't need me bugging them because it didn't make anything go faster. It just created them a bigger headache, probably didn't get it done as fast. I didn't get, I wasn't as productive as I could have been. So now it's just moving on to the next task. Can't control that. Can't look at the past. Can't, can't go backwards. Um, So it's move on to the next task, you know, make that next phone call. Uh, move on to whatever needs to get done and, and stick to it. Um, because like I said, it's it's just one of those things. I, I guess maybe when you know, when you've been through that fire enough times, like it's easy to know that it's going to get put out. Um, and, and there's times where, yeah, you can't, that, that logic goes right out the window because it, it is, Greg needs to go into freak out mode. Um, but it's, a lot of times it's not it's not there. We, you know, there's a week before closing, or four days, or two days before closing, and it's it's going to cause nobody any. It's not going to solve anything any faster if I start making phone calls. Um, but it's a lot of people to do their job and, and focus on my next task.
2: I love that control the controllable
1: stuff. That's not always easy. That's not that's not always an easy thing to do sure. either because, like you said, you're a systems person, and so when one 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 piece of the puzzle is stuck in one spot and you're like, oh, I want to get to the next page, yeah. right? Um, I'm going to take that home with me this week. Yeah. I like that.
3: It's, it's, like I said, it's, and I, in my head, I sometimes have to think, I can't. That's not, it's out of my control, you know? And I used to get mad at, like, people who would say, like, well, you said that or you did this. And I I say, well, you know, maybe that, that was how it was perceived or something like that, but we you can't focus on it. We got to find solutions, you know? Um, A lot of times having having a, a, a focus on that, like I said, going back to the teamwork thing, there's a lot of agents that don't understand like things come up like there's a lot of this is real estate. A lot of times there's title problems that no one could have foreseen or the borrower did this or whatever it might look like. But instead of pointing fingers and saying you you should have done this or you should have done that. Like, what are we going to do? Like, how are we going to keep moving forward? so those are the people that they they understand you know hey this is real estate what are we going to do to fix it like what are what are our options what does that look like who's going to tell who what how are we going to communicate um and and again those are the people that i like doing business with um and i think the reciprocal you know they they appreciate that we solve problems um again that i love when agents call me and they're like oh my gosh have this other deal, it's gone sideways, I don't know what to do. um, And the lender that was working on it can't articulate what the problem is. Like, let's dig in, Uh, let's let's figure out what that looks like. Um, And, you know, that's fun.
2: Yeah, I like what you said too, like this is real estate. You know, when I first got in the business, I was very emotional, right? I was younger and it's like, oh my gosh, you know. And what I have found is now I'm so much more even keeled but there's still days where, you know, whatever, I think one of the times recently I can point out is when I had COVID and I was, you're all over the place. And there was one day where I got like really emotional about like three different deals and it just makes it worse. Yeah. Right. Like by the end of the day, I was like a hot mess. And I'm like, this is all because I got upset about like stupid things that like are just normal. And on a normal day, I would have just been like, OK, next, next. Yeah. And like yesterday I got an email. um, I'm working I'm the listing agent. I, actually it's closing today. My seller's closing today, the buyer's closing tomorrow. Well, the buyer's closing on Friday at 4:30 and it's a split closing. And so I emailed the other agent trying to be proactive like, "Hey, if your buyer wants to get keys, if you want to get paid, you might want to have them wire the money early cuz it's a split closing on a Friday at 4:30. <laughs> it's probably not going to table fund." Yeah. And she responds to she's like, "In 17 years of real estate, I've never had a deal not table fund. That's not going to happen." And I'm like, like, you must not do very many deals right. because at 4.30 on a Friday with the split closing, yeah. it's a very low percentage yeah. that
3: they're going to It's like fund. the 9 a.m. Monday <laughs> closing where people are calling me at 9.45 and they're like nothing's here yet. And I'm like, I know because you closed at nine o'clock on a Monday and your buyer went to the bank on the way and like, yeah. they were late. So,
2: yeah. So the past me would have responded to that email, like you're full of crap, you know, and I just responded. I was like, perfect.
3: Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, that's 100%. It.
2: Perfect. Glad that like your 17 years has been great. Right,
3: I'm trying to yeah. help you. Uh, like, like I said, it, it's, you know, I, it's taken a long time to get there, um, yeah. and figure out like, it's just not worth Starting something over nothing, and I'm—I tried. Yeah, you know, I, I did try, um, but yeah, the even just establishing those systems—you know, the time blocking. What am I going to do? What what is the best use of my day? How do I? How should I prospect? What are my lists? Getting that all in, in order. Um, I think a lot of people in this industry live in chaos. You know, they're waiting for something to to come their way. And over the past couple of years, it—you could trip over a deal. You know, there's enough of it but it's at some point going the faucet's going to maybe get a little tighter and if you don't have those systems if you don't have um you know how how do I prospect and and spending more time on your business mm-hmm. it's it's going to get tough you know it could get tough so
2: yeah those are all great shares so thank you so much for joining us Absolutely. this has been awesome there's been so much value add in this video i love it me too I'm so glad that you came to visit with us and chat with us
1: and and just pour your knowledge out on us. I appreciate and our it. listeners. Yeah,
3: I, it was my first time. So I, I appreciate that I could spend it with you ladies, for sure.
1: We're going to have to do another one on condo land. Ooh. I love it. <laughs> I love it. Well, that's our time this week, folks. Thank you so much for tuning in. Um, so many takeaways. Um, I hope that you wrote them down. If you're listening... Uh, in motion. Uh, You can always find us on YouTube, iHeartRadio, Stitcher. Um, Our podcast is everywhere. We'll put our link tree in the notes so that you can find us on a platform that's friendly to you. And we'd love to hear from you. So leave a comment, leave a review, um, DM us on social media. We're all on Facebook. Greg, do you want to tell everybody where to find you?
3: Yeah, I'm on. So Facebook's the easiest, definitely. Um, definitely I have an Instagram as well and um, more than happy but I'm, I'm gonna share this as a secret but my the phone number that's on all of my forms is my cell phone so <gasps> always Brave free man. to chat ha- happy to help um, I get calls from people all the time that saw something or they just want to they have a question you know they they want to get a, more knowledge on anything I, I love those so
2: awesome so
1: Google Greg Goddard, cross-country mortgage. Love it. All right. Thanks, guys. And we'll see you next time with a new episode of Grit, Grace, and Real Estate every Thursday. Bye.
0: We thank you so much for joining us today on The Elite Live with Trish and Kylie. Be sure to share the episode with a friend and drop us a five-star review so we can continue bringing you more great tips on grit grace and real estate you can also connect with us on instagram facebook or check out our youtube channel the elite life podcast we hope the ideas we share continue to help you build an empire and leave a legacy